Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. This, this, I'm going to change. I'm going to change this week. I'm going to do it next week. I'm, I'm gonna, this is me. I got my schedule. I'm going I'm to work on my schedule. Can I just tell you this word of truth? Stop trying and start training. Just stop with the excuses and start enjoying the favor of God. I promise you it will change your life. The reason why we get so bent out of shape on everything else is because we know the truth. Because he's going to speak truth into us. When we lean into God, he tells us maybe we're off center with some things. And when we lean into God, it starts to change our atmospheres. We know we find out we shouldn't be with that guy or that girl. Or maybe we shouldn't be in the job that we're in. Or maybe we just find out some other things that just literally just wreck our world. But that's exactly why we keep on doing this in our world. You never have time for anybody or anything because you are constantly moving and fidgeting and spinning your life around in waste. And the only thing he's asking us to do is to set it down and to be still. So can I, I can just encourage you to stop trying and start training this week. Begin to train yourself. Set reminders on your phone. Everybody's got them, right? I mean, tell your friend to contact you and remind you if you have to. Get an accountability partner. Set aside some times to connect with God. I promise you, he will connect with you. Ironically, what we learned last week was the most common objection to taking time to withdraw is that we are too what? Busy. Too busy to develop a regular practice of solitude and silence. So stop trying and start training this week. And I promise you, it will change your week. Now, next week, if you're here, I just want to give you a sneak peek where we're going. We were, we're going to talk about the, the idea of how God wants us to come to him and find refreshment by creating some times of, get this, Sabbath within our lives and our families. Some of you are like, what's, what's a Sabbath again? Some of you are like, uh, is that like church? You know, is that like, is it Sunday? What is it? So come next week and let's talk about that. But w- what we can share is this, uh, as disciples or followers of Jesus, we need, hear this, we need to develop the practice of a healthy Sabbath by disconnecting from our work, our phones, our busyness, and enter into intentional, intentional times of rest with God, with family, and friends. And, and so the question is, how do you do that in today's culture? How are we going to do that? You don't even know my culture. You don't even know my schedule. Come next week, and I promise you, let's tackle it head on together, and let's just see what God can do with it. And so, but for today, have you ever, have you ever worked with somebody or lived with somebody or played with somebody that who always gives instructions or counsel or, or wisdom, words of wisdom that just are full of it, right? Working with my dad, all right? So we're going to talk about my dad a little bit. And, but working with my dad years on the farm, um, you begin to understand you begin to understand some of his instructions. And, and, and so um, it, it's interesting. His instructions are a little bit different than most people, but that's okay. You know, uh, some people say that's why it's sometimes challenging to work with me, especially my wife would say that. But, you know, one day, one day my wife was with me on the tractor on our farm and, and it was a couple years ago. And, and my dad had, had motioned to me to come forward with, with, with a hay bale. And I was moving a hay bale. And his instructions looked like this. And I'm moving my hand. He went like this. 
And so that meant to come forward. And Sarah's like, how did you know that? It's crazy. How did you know he's wanted to come forward? It's like, you know, just working with him so many years, this, this means come forward. And so then he followed up. He put his hand back up, and he had the same hand signal, and he went. And it was just a little bit different, you know, and just a little bit different. But that meant to set the hay bale down. And Sarah looked at me and said, that is crazy. How in the world did you know that? And immediately, immediately, dad threw his hand back up, and he went. The same hand motion, right? The same exact hand motion. And, and so she's looking at me like, you know, what just took place? Like, I don't even understand that. Which, you know, and honestly, all the same hand signals, were the, it was the exact same motion. It just a little bit different, a little bit sideways. But, but they all represented something different because it was the opportunity to work with him and, and, and to go deeper with him and, and to understand that I was spending a lot of intimate time with him. And, and I knew the difference between this and this and this. But she didn't. And she's like, I don't, I, I, there's no way I could work with your dad. And as a matter of fact, this is how you talk sometimes at home. I don't even get it. But the reason why I could get the job right is because I spent many hours learning. I spent many hours learning, many hours watching, many hours observing, many hours engaging what he was wanting me to do as he spoke with me through his hands. See, I had my eyes laser focused on the attention of what my dad wanted me to do and what he needed for us to get the job done. My wife still not figured out the sign language, but she would even say sometimes I often speak it around my house and it's kind of confusing for her especially for the, some of the kids. But the truth is, I spent so much time with my father, I could hear his voice through just emotion. I could hear his voice through just a hand signal. You see, it allowed us to get the job done better because we did it better together, which produced fruit for our farm. And we were better together because two are always better than one. I tell you this because Jesus... Jesus spent time with his father in a way that changed everything for him. In the midst of, of him working each day, by knowing and hearing his father's voice, by spending time with him, he was able to do things better for the ministry at hand. He was, under, he was able to understand or see things clearly by how he spent time with the father. And in the Gospel of Mark, we see where Mark records the day and uh, in, in, in the week in, in, in light of everything else that's taking place. And if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 1. I promise there's a verse there that's going to challenge you this week. But in Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 34, we see where Mark is sort of describing this hectic day for Jesus. It began by Jesus entering the synagogue in Capernaum. And teaching all the, about the Sabbath and what it looks like. And, and as he taught with incredible authority. Now check that out. There's a, there's a passage there right there at the very beginning of this thing in Mark 1. It says he taught with incredible authority. Now we can look at that and say, well, it's either somebody that's very arrogant or it's very somebody with a lot of knowledge. But how do you gain knowledge? Spending time with the Father. Being able to really engage the Father. And he knew the truth. And the truth will set you that's right. And so as he's sitting there and he's preaching, he's teaching, and he's speaking with incredible authority because he knew was what he spoke with was truth. And he could set people free. Jesus, actually, he confronted people, he confronted people that was demon-possessed. 
And a man, and he healed him, and he was doing all incredible ministry moments there. He was healing people left and right. And after leaving the synagogue, Jesus and the disciples went to the home of Andrew and Peter. And then he started to do more ministry, and Jesus actually healed Peter's mother-in-law. Now, if you ever want to get in good with the mother-in-law, you heal something like that, right? And that's, a, that's some true love, especially coming from Peter and Andrew. But that evening, the entire town gathered around the house and, and brought those who were sick and demon-possessed. Jesus healed so many people who were sick and, and drove out so many demons. This was a huge week and a busy week of just ministry and work, loving people from, from all walks of life, friends and family, those who, who just want to be around you. And even those who were doing great things, Jesus still had to stay connected because he had to stay on point. Otherwise, he would have been distracted. He had to stay so focused so he could hear the Father's voice when he saw emotion. He had to respond. Now, he loved healing people. He loved doing ministry. He loved being a part of people's lives. But he still had to get connected with the Father because he knew that was the way, the only way that could set people free. And so, but... Where did that come from? Where did that time come from? Because he was so wrapped up with healing people. He was so, you know, composed with, with doing ministry with people. How can we do that? How did he do that? By making sure he was spending time with his father. And after recounting this intense day and the week of ministry in Mark, in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it states this. Very Early in the what? The morning. While it was still dark. Some of you are like, I don't know if I can do that anymore because the sun comes up really early now. But Jesus got up. He left the house and went off to a solitary place where he what? Prayed. Where he spent time. Where he engaged God. Where he literally leaned into the voice of his father. So he could begin to understand what this meant. We can understand what that meant, or even this. You see, just as Jesus prioritized his life around making time to be with God, we as followers, as his followers, we also need to develop this practice. In other words, now, you can lean in occasionally with some great one-liners that we try to come up with, but let's just be honest. Sometimes you run out of them, and this is what you got this week, okay? But if it was good for Yahweh then it's good for my way. All right? All right, we, we, we tried. We tried, right? But if it's good for him, it's good for my way. I mean, if it's good for Yahweh, it's good for my way. And, and if we're not getting up early and spending some time, intimate time with God, then something is going to be off. Something is going to throw a wrench at you today, and you're going to try to fight it, and you're, you're just going to find yourself spinning and doing ministry Maybe it's just your own walk of life. Maybe it's just what you want to get accomplished today. Maybe it's just a, you fill in the blank. And whatever it is, I promise you it's going to come to a screeching halt just like that simply because it's become frustrating to you. Simply because it's becoming overwhelming for you. And you can't breathe no more. Matter of fact, it might even be holding you hostage. And the only thing the Father has been asking, hey, I'm right here. I want to be a part. Hey, just get up a little bit earlier. You might get up in the morning times and just get that restless 
itch. And he's like, I cannot believe it's 4.30. What's going on? And you just roll around the bed. Is that just me? Am I the only person that does that? I mean, all right. There's just mornings that occasionally this happens, and I know that, that that's just God, hey, spurring me out of bed. Hey, you need to get up and talk to me this morning. Hey, I got something special for you in my word. And when I find those little nuggets, when I find those little pieces that he's trying to communicate with me, you know how much better my day goes? You know how much more fun it is to walk in the light? You know how much more fun it is to, to walk in truth when you're hearing his voice through all types of different formations, through signs? I'm telling you, it changes everything. And if it was good for Yahweh, then it's good for my way. You see, we can follow Jesus' example by putting practices such as entering into the quiet place to meet with God, meet with God, and observing fixed hours of prayer and, and maybe even prayer walking. And some of us are like, All right, I can do two things at once. Yes, you can walk and talk and chew bubblegum. You're good to go. So, I mean, maybe it's that moment of you getting up and getting in better shape and just walking and going and experiencing God this morning. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaches us the importance of creating space to encounter God. One of the most amazing sermons ever preached. And it says this in Matthew 6, 6. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, he's not talking about prosperity or gospel of just, well, you're going to get blessings beyond blessings. No, 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 no. He's talking about something so much more intimate. The word room here is actually from the Greek word that means a room in the interior of a house, normally without windows opening to the outside, or a better word, an inner room. And the reason why it goes so detailed about this is because he wants you not to be distracted by what's going on where? Outside. He wants you to be totally engaged with him. And before teaching the Lord's Prayer, Jesus first instructs us on, on where to pray. Jesus encourages us, us to take time to enter into a private place where we can close the door. To have a distraction-free encounter with God. However, we must not only create a quiet space but, we all, but also we have to cultivate a quiet heart before God. Now, over the last couple of months, we've, we've done this, and we have another one coming up in, in two weeks, but it's called Cultivate. I'm telling you, you're missing out if you've never been to one. It's a time that we've, we've just pulled aside a, a space where we can slow down as a family, as a big group, as a body, where we can cultivate what God's trying to do with a quiet heart through worship, through prayer, and communion. And it's changing our hearts because we want to be together on this journey. And the only way we can get there is we can cultivate a quiet heart before God. And solitude and silence not only refer to alleviating outside disturbances, but also an inward noise that interrupts to know the Father's voice better. And the reason why I know this is true is because it happens to me. Does anybody have a to-do list? Come on. Does anybody got a to-do list? When you get up and you, you sit down, maybe you drink a cup of coffee or orange juice, water, whatever you drink, where's your mind go to? 
Does it go immediately to that? Or can you push pause just long enough to know him better, to hear his voice better, to dive into his word so it starts to change your outlook for the day? See, I don't want you to miss out on this because it's so important. Some of you are like, ah, this isn't a horrible sermon. Eh. You get your bumpers up. You're like, eh, this, this is not for me. I, I know Jesus. I, it's, it's who I am. This is what I do for the week. Can I just encourage you to just try this and just to see what happens in a week? Jeff last week said, hey, spend three minutes a day. Three minutes. I bet you spent more than three minutes a day on your cell phone. I bet you spent three minutes a day on the internet, maybe watching TV. Maybe you got a Netflix junkie out there that has just spent 24 hours watching one whole episode. Maybe it's just three minutes or five minutes or 10 minutes of gossip. Maybe it was three or four minutes of you fill in the blank. But you forgot to cultivate a quiet heart. And maybe that's why you're sitting there with your foot just bouncing out of control because you are fidgety. You're so focused on everything else, you cannot home in to the heartbeat of what God is trying to do. You see, and this is what I've learned about ministry. It can keep me busy. It can keep me distracted. It can keep me burning a daylight oil in the middle of the night. If and if I'm not careful, I forget to hear the Father's voice. I forget to see the hand motions. And that's why it's so important to do what Jesus did, to get up early, to go hear his father's voice. And I don't want you to miss out on this because Jesus tells us the rewards of praying in that secret place. He says that when we enter in the inner secret place to pray with God, he is unseen. The Greek word for the unseen means actually secret. Jesus is saying, pray to your father who is in secret. Your father is already in the secret place. He has already gone ahead of you and he is waiting for you. The moment you enter in that secret place, you're in the immediate presence of your father and he will reward you with his love, his truth, and his grace that wants to set you free for the day. Matthew 6, 6. You see, just as with Jesus, we must prioritize our relationship with God because we are better together for the ministry that is set out for each one of us every single day. And I'm telling you, when we do this, when we lean into this, this changes everything. And I think it's interesting that Jesus even knew to do this because he can become overwhelmed with all the ministry that takes place. And it's a great example. If, if, if Jesus is pulling away and Jesus is connecting with the Father this way, shouldn't it be important to us? Now, he's doing some great things. This is Jesus, y'all, right? And Jesus knew that if he needed to center his life this way, it, 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 if he didn't, it's just ministry for Jesus. And that sounds sort of arrogant, but it's true. I mean, we think we matter simply because we're doing ministry for Jesus, right? But if you're not connecting with Jesus, then it's your ministry, not his. Bob Sorge is a, is a speaker who can't talk. He's a pastor, former pastor. And, and, and he was 
it, it's basically, he's, it's said he is reduced to a whisper because of a, 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 a vocal injury he suffered years ago. So his voice just continues to just go down and down. But through a journey, God has given him an empowering message that explores God's purpose in fiery trials of, of everything around us. And it's not the fire that changes you, but, but your pursuit of God in the fire that changes you. And he said this. He said, hell will do everything in its power to misrepresent and distort the exuberant delight of this dynamic reality. This present world system is strategically designed to squeeze out your time and energy for that secret place. The church usually focuses its best energies on getting saints busy, and there seem to be relatively few believers whose secret life with God is also vibrantly life-giving, that it kindles a contagious desire in others to follow their example. I don't know if you caught all that, but I'll say it this way. I know a lot of people come and I just want to say thank you for being servants here and, and, and inside the church because without you, we couldn't do what we're doing. But if you haven't connected with God today or this week, you're not connecting and you're not doing what God wants you to do. You're doing actually what the church wants you to do. It's, we can actually use you. We can actually hurt you and abuse your walk. We can actually take advantage of you to get ministry done. And I just want to say I'm sorry if you've ever been tired or burned out and you feel like it's all about getting the job done. Because someone forgot to tell you the importance of connecting with God today. Someone forgot to hold you accountable to connect with God today. Someone forgot maybe to encourage you today. And I'm just going to say it from the stage. As a pastor, as a leader, if I've ever done that, I am sorry. Because we are better together when we hear his voice and we move out of obedience rather than task. And so how do we get there? How do we get there in line with Jesus' voice each day so we're not busy with good things? But we can, we can do godly things that change the world. How do we get there? 1 Timothy 4, 7 said it best. Train ourselves to be what? Godly. Train ourselves to be godly. And if we train ourselves to be godly, it can change everything. And it starts with us doing something that can change us. If you're taking notes, I'm going to give you some quick things to, to start to put into application this week. And here's, here's, here's four things that I think that, can, that matter to us this morning. I think we need to get into a regular rhythm. I think we need to get into a regular rhythm. You already have a rhythm about your week, but why can't we train ourselves to be more in a rhythm that, that establishes who God is in our life? By establishing a regular rhythm of praying in the morning or the evening, we will change the trajectory of our lives. I, I, there's a verse that it says in Galatians 5.25, it says if, if we, we live by the Spirit, let us keep in what? Step with the Spirit. You see, a daily rhythm of, with God will keep us in step with him and set things in motion for the whole week. I'm telling you, it will change your day if you get a rhythm in, in work for you. Number two, eliminate distractions. 
Eliminate distractions. One of the primary distractions that we face in our ministry or in, in, in who we are, establishing intimacy with God, is the distractions of what? Technology, cell phones, or other digital devices. I just want to encourage you this. For those who do have cell phones that land beside your bed, try this practice for the next week. Don't look at your cell phones for the first hour after you get up or the last hour before you go to bed and see how that changes your day. You're like, there's no way I could do that. Yes, you can. Okay, start with 15 minutes then. All right, if you can't do 15, start with five. Some of you just, you're looking at it, looking at it, and check, 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 like, 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 this is how you catch up the rate. You can't even sit still. You're just like this all day, like, 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 you know? And that's how your mind goes to bed. You know how distracting that is? And that's how you wake up. I wonder what happened tonight. You just, woo, nee, like, like, you're on the toilet this morning, like, 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 you laugh because it's true. Then you take the Bible app, you spend one minute, you highlight the verse, and you go slide it over to my Instagram page. It makes no sense. What does it look like to just be distracted free, eliminate some distractions and push that off to the side, and just wake up to God's voice? Number three, I think you've got to prepare the way. Prepare the way. You're like, what? It helps to prepare the night before the morning for prayer time. I have kids, and let me just say it this way. I got four of them, little munchkins. If we don't prepare the way the night before, do you know what it looks like in the Kilby's household? I come, yeah, so I got one person with his hand raised up. That is my son because he knows there's a samurai sword that comes flying out of his mother's back pocket when we are not in motion towards the door at a certain time. And it's because somebody didn't prepare the lunch boxes, their, all their gear, their coats, their shoes, you know, and everything that they need to roll out of bed and get ready for the next day. And if we can do this together, we get everything ready the night before, we get prepared for everything, and then the next thing you know, the next morning, it's so smooth. I'm just telling you, prepare the way. Prepare by getting everything you need ready such as your Bible. Maybe put your Bible beside your bed. <laughs> Maybe put a journal beside your bed. Start writing. That's crazy what happens. Maybe, maybe worship music. Maybe it's time to, you know, put a, break out that old CD. <laughs> Some of you are like, what's a CD? Uh, you missed out on so much. Get something that can pray, play some amazing worship music. And, and, and maybe it's to you know, set the coffee maker on so you get up and going. Or before you go to bed, set your alarm with your cell phone, but set it across the room in a different location so you actually have to get up out of bed and you just can't hit the snooze button, you know? Maybe you get up immediately and go splash your face with some water so you can get up and get going. Maybe you need to get up and do some quick exercises, some burpees. Anybody? Come on. You know? They're like, no way. But I'm telling you, maybe some quick exercise to get you flowing. But whatever it takes, prepare the way. You set things out that you know that you need to do, and I promise you, it will be amazing, amazing inner moment, inner intimacy that can change everything. Because you can shut the door and encounter God when you prepare the way. The next one is fixed times. I think 
everybody has a schedule that's pretty much hard, if we're just being honest, because of our established status quo. But if we start to fix our times around practicing spiritual disciplines, prayer could be established in fixed moments of of opportunity. This means stopping whatever your activity you're engaged in through through the day to turn your attention to to God. I I think it's interesting that there's, there's so many other religions and world religions that actually stop at certain points during the day to bow down in reverence of who they worship. But Christians don't do it at all. They wait till the pastor does it on Sunday. How do you get connected to somebody that you say you love, but you never spend time with? I think we need to start maybe considering a fixed time and and say, you know what, whatever I'm doing at 9.15, my alarm's going to go off on my cell phone. I'm just going to stop for three minutes and focus on Jesus. Maybe just pray it in. Maybe get the people at work to even come and just we're going to pray together. Maybe it's during lunch at 12.30, we're just going to pray together. I don't know, you just never know what's going to happen. Maybe before you go home at day at 5 o'clock, it, 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 whatever it looks like for you and your, your group, your tribe, where you work, live, and play, maybe you do it. Maybe in addition to your normal prayer times, maybe establish one or two other times a day. Maybe just sit, set aside 10 minutes a day and watch what happens. Those fixed times can change things, and you never know who else is looking to change. Remember our old saying that we've said since day one? change lives. And if we're going to be serious about it, why wouldn't we take this moment spending time with God about it? Number four, some people are going to like this one, but it's walking and talking. I think another way to pray is to go on walks with God, to go on spiritual little small journeys with God every single time you get a chance. I mean, you could walk in strategic places or intercede for those in, those in this specific area. I mean, we know that we're taking on a responsibility across the way here in this little parking lot right across the street called the Warehouse of Maine. How many have prayer walked around that building? How many have just walked around that building seven times? You might even find out you just walked a three quarters of a mile, just saying. Might be a healthy thing for you to take on. But strategically, Start to intercede in areas by walking and prayer walk. You, you could walk through your neighborhood and pray for all the households. You could walk through your, your place of employment praying for God's kingdom to come alive, the atmospheres to be transformed, and for God's blessings for all those people. Or you could just take a walk outside in the nature, in the woods, by the river. Seems to be on streets today. But enjoying God's creation and having an interactive conversation with God that changes everything. You see, if we're going to get serious about being still and knowing that he is God, we have to get serious about our prayer room, our inner room, and how we're going to be listening, how we're going to be communicating and learning what he's saying to us. I think it's time to stop Spinning and fidgeting and literally pushing pause. However we may do it and get serious about him. And I believe when we do that, that's when we're going to see change lives that really change lives. What I've learned over time is this. It's just that simple. It's not a religion. It's not a, a 
a portion of do's and don'ts. It's not everything else that, that, that the church sometimes over a season has told us. It's honestly just spending time with the Father. It's knowing God more and more and more by listening. And the more you know God, the more, is what I've learned is this, is the more you trust his voice. He might be telling you to do something crazy, but you're too scared to do it because you're fidgeting. He might be telling you to take that big risk because he knows what's around the corner for you to do it, but you're just not obeying because you're not, you're not going to that inner room. You might be so busy with ministry and it's good things, but it's not godly things when you're not connecting to the Father. You see, if it was good for Yahweh, it's good for my way and your way. And my prayer is today that we lean into that and we get it right. The band's going to come up and we're going to sing a couple songs. And I just want to encourage you, if you haven't, if you haven't interceded today, if you haven't developed anything, any prayer life, any, any moment with God, here's your time. And we're going to sing a couple songs. And we just hope and pray that you engage God. You spend some quality time right now engaging who God is. And I don't know what that looks like for you, but maybe it's to sit still and know that he is God. Maybe it's to worship. Maybe it's to come to the altar. Maybe it's to, for the first time to connect with God. Whatever it is, can you just respond? Be obedient and trusting. Trust his voice. Because he might be taking his hand and doing this. And you don't know what that means simply because you haven't spent time with the Father. But maybe, maybe this means he's just waving at you to get your attention. See if you're even paying attention. Maybe he's doing this asking you to come here. Maybe he's doing this and he's saying, I need you to go. Maybe he's saying this and he's asking you just to be still. But how do you know if you don't know his voice? How do you know if you can't understand what this looks like? All I know is this. The more you listen to this, the more you listen to his voice, you begin to trust him. And you will do greater things when you begin to trust and obey. Jesus, thank you so much today and thank you for what you're doing and your voice and how you're communicating and how you're just teaching us to be still. Father, I'm just asking that we just lean into the truth and how simple it really is just to listen to your voice and it can change our lives and it can change others by, by just listening, by being still in the midst of everything that's going on. God, some of our lives are so, so spinning out of control. We fidget constantly because we just haven't spent any time with you. And the only thing you're doing is just sitting there moving your hands wider and wider and wider until we can see that your arms are open wide for us to engage.
to lean into, to trust. God, I pray for a moment here that we can just fall into your arms. Trust them. And allow you to move in our hearts. Jesus, that's my prayer. In your name.